Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and it is Top 100 Prospects Week. One of our favorite weeks of the year, I think, it's safe to say. We have been rolling out the Top 10 by position lists, and that always leads right up to the launch of the New Year's Top 100 list, which comes out on Friday night, 7 Eastern, on MLB Network and MLB.com, MLB.tv, all the digital platforms. If you if you can't find it, you're just, you're not trying. It's, it's going to be all over the place. This will be the 21st top prospects list that we have put out, preseason top prospects list that we've put out. Jonathan back by himself back in the dark ages, 2004, started putting out a top 50 prospects list on MLB.com. And uh, here we are 20 years later, bigger and better than ever. You wanted me to name all of them, right? And really fast talk. Exactly. Start to finish. Okay. And go. Uh, No, don't do that. But what we will do is we'll talk about some of these top 10 uh, by position list. Uh, We did the, pitchers on the show last week and uh today we're going to focus on catchers first baseman second baseman and third baseman and uh then jim and jonathan are going to go head to head in a duel they will be drafting a prospect team they're going to draft uh, one player per position and they can and they're using the top 10 by position lists as their player pool, and they can only use each ranking once. They can only take one number one ranked player, one number two ranked player, etc. cetera. Uh, so we will see how they fare uh, when they do that, and uh, we'll wrap up with a question from the mailbag. All right, let's get into these top 10 lists, gents, catchers. And I know in our story that accompanied this list. Who was it that pointed out who wrote this story? Jim, you pointed out that uh, the last two players that headlined this list were at one point ranked the number one overall prospect in baseball at the Rutschman and Francisco Alvarez. And you think that we could have another, we could have another player on this list end up number one overall. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be any surprise if if Ethan Salas is the number one prospect in baseball. I think he's one of the top candidates to to do so by the end of this year. I think we're going to see a lot of graduations of the handful of guys who are ahead of him on our, our preseason, but can't reveal where everybody's ranked uh, top 100 list. But yeah, no, I mean, he, he definitely has that kind of upside. All right. So let's uh, talk about, we, we did this last week. We had you guys talk about player that you think is most intriguing on these lists and then a sleeper a guy who's not on the list that you think is going to be on the list next up however you want to categorize this uh let's start with the most intriguing player on this list to you jonathan who would that be well i feel like i've talked a lot lot about him but samuel basayo to me is still you know is the most interesting guy i think the only question about him is his catching ability and the orioles were pretty pleased with the progress he's made I mean, we don't know how much he'll actually catch in Baltimore, given the, the presence of Adley Rushman, but he can play first. But it's really the the bat that stands out 
uh, for him. We're talking a guy who's got every chance to be a plus hitter with plus power. He's super young, made it up to double A last year. I, I just think the offensive ceiling is through the roof, regardless of where he plays defensively. I think in another organization, he'd probably have a chance to be, you know, to to be a catcher long term, even if he was never, you know, a great defender. If he stays in Baltimore, obviously they'll have to either mix and match a little bit, or he'll uh, or he'll move to first base. We should probably tell people who's on these lists. Huh? Sure, you guys, you guys are going to talk about the most intriguing um, and a sleeper pick who's not on the list, but quickly. The entire list. We've already mentioned the top two, Ethan Salas, Samuel Basayo of the Padres and Orioles. Jefferson Cuero of the Brewers is three. Harry Ford of the Mariners is four. Kyle Teal of the Red Sox is five. Dalton Rushing of the Dodgers is six. Blake Mitchell of the Royals is seven. Moises Ballesteros of the Cubs is eight. Edgar Cuero of the White Sox is nine. And Diego Cartaya of the Dodgers is number 10. All right. Uh, Jim, which of those 10 is most intriguing to you? And we're not picking the number one guys because those are obviously, I mean, Ethan Salas is super intriguing. I, I think that's, that's easy enough to say, but no, it, it's Blake Mitchell for me. I, I thought Blake Mitchell was a little undervalued in last year's draft, which may sound funny because he went eighth overall. He was saved a million dollars versus slot when they, when the Royals took him eighth overall, but you, you hear all the time, Oh, high school catchers. It's a risky demographic. Don't take high school catchers in the first round. And I think that's too broad. And I think if you have a high school catcher who would be a potential first round pick, if he played another position besides catcher, you shouldn't worry about him. And, and that's Blake Mitchell. I mean, Blake Mitchell can really hit. I think he's going to hit for average. I think he's going to hit for power. You add in the, the catching ability with a double plus arm behind the plate. I think he's going to be at least an average defender, maybe better than that. His makeup's off the charts. If he was a pitcher, he probably would have been a top two round pick because he was up to 97 with his fastball. And he also had feel for a curveball and change up. And I think Blake Mitchell is going to to have a huge first pro season. I think he's going to rise up the Royals charts and would not be surprised if he is the Royals top ranked prospect by season's end. Although I do acknowledge they have a very high pick in this year's draft. So maybe that'll play into it as well. All right, Jonathan, a sleeper, somebody not on the list. I guess I'm only picking guys who like are not 100 percent sure they're going to catch. But I'm going to take Ralphie Velasquez now of the Guardians. Uh, he was their first round pick uh, just this last year, taking 23rd overall. Another guy who can really hit. He's going to have plenty of power. Left handed hitter. I think he's got a chance to catch. He's a little big, and you know there's uh, some concern about whether he'll have enough agility to to stay back there. But he's a natural leader. He's got enough arm. So I think he'll be given every chance, but it's again that that bat has got an advanced approach at the plate. Um, he doesn't chase pitches out of the zone, so I think there's more confidence that he's going to get to his power. Had a very brief pro debut, hit well there, uh, but I, I could see him starting to to move relatively quickly, depending on whether or not the the work behind the plate holds him up. The bat uh, definitely will carry him up the ladder relatively quickly. Yeah, and I'll continue with that theme of guys who may not be catchers in the long run or everyday catchers in the long run. And, and, and I'll go with Austin Wells and the Yankees. I think he's going to get a chance to play in New York this year with Kyle Higashioka going to the Potters in the Juan Soto trade, former first-round pick back in 2020. I thought he was one of the better offensive players in that, in that draft. He has the ability to hit for average, hit for power. He hit 21 homers between four levels a year ago. He's even he's not going to be a big base stealer, but he's had surprising success stealing bases. He draws walks. So he does a little bit of everything offensively. You might see an offense-defense platoon type of situation with Jose Trevino in New York. Um, you know, But there are questions about his receiving and throwing. Is he going to wind up being more of an outfielder than a catcher in the long run? Is he maybe more one of those guys who – you know, catches 40, 50 games and plays some first base and left field and DH, but but I think he will provide some offense. All right. I think this is maybe our our youngest list too, the catchers. Three three teenagers on the list. Uh and no one older than And only one guy, I think, uh Jefferson Cuero, the Brewers, that we have uh, anointed as having an ETA of this year. Most of these guys will probably be eligible for the list next year as well. All right, let's move on to the first base list. And uh, this list is interesting because the guy that's at the 
top of it uh, has made quite a jump. That's not the only reason it's interesting, but looking at this list, the Rays, Xavier Isaac hops up to number one, Kyle Manzardo, uh, formerly of the Rays. Now that we saw uh, burst all the way to the big leagues last year of the Angels is number three. Abimelech Ortiz of the Rangers, number four. Tyler Locklear of the Mariners, number five. Matt Mervis of the Cubs, number six. Blaze Jordan of the Red Sox, number seven. Nathan Mortarella of the Padres is number eight. Spencer Horwitz of the Blue Jays, number nine. And Hayden McGreary of the Cubs, uh, giving Chicago two players on this list, is number 10. Most intriguing, who's not number one? Jonathan. I have to go with the guy who's already touched the big leagues, right? I mean, uh, from last year's draft, as you mentioned, Nolan Shanuel, uh, it's kind of insane. Uh, you know, we know the Angels move guys quickly uh, and have over the last couple of years, but I, I don't think anyone uh, could have predicted that Shanuel would uh, would make it to the big leagues as quickly as he did. In fact, I interviewed him for this podcast when he was in Double A, and we almost couldn't use the interview because he got called up right soon thereafter. The approach is ridiculous. You know, he's walked more than he struck out pretty much everywhere that he's gone. He reached base in every single game he played in in the big leagues last year. I think the only question is the power, and it's something that he has spent the the offseason. I got to catch up with him. Uh, we did a bunch of uh, interviews with guys who went through the rookie program, and I, and I talked to him for the, you know, for the Angels site, and he – He's working on adding strength. He's he's working on adding a little bit of leverage. Uh, you don't want to take away the approach that you know that got him to the big leagues, but you know he's shown power in in college. It's in there, and we're going to get a chance to see it in in Los Angeles from from the get go. I would imagine here in twenty twenty four. Yeah, the guy who intrigues me is Kyle Manzardo of the guardians, just from a standpoint of, of what exactly is Kyle Mansardo coming into the year, Jonathan, I, I thought he was a definite power. I mean, I'm sorry, definite hit over power guy. He's one of the better pure hitters in the 2021 draft. He ranked second in the minors in ops and his 2022 pro debut. And then, you know, we got to see him in the fall league. He had kind of a, a tumultuous year. He had a, a shoulder injury that cost him six weeks. He got traded by Tampa Bay to Cleveland for Aaron Savali at the deadline. Uh, while he was on the injured list and we saw him in the fall league and he was totally different Jonathan than what I expected. I mean, he was hitting for power. He was aggressive. There was some swing and miss. He hit six home runs during the regular season. He hit two in the semifinal playoff game. He hit one in the fall stars game. No, no question. Cleveland needs power. They, they had the least powerful lineup in the major leagues by, by a wide margin last year. So he just intrigues me from the standpoint of, you know, is he going to be a balanced hitter? Is he going to be the power over hit guy we saw in the fall league? Is he going to be, you know, honestly coming into the year, I thought he was more of a 300, you know, top out at, at 15 to 20 home run type of guy. But I'll, I'll be very curious to see what he does in 2024. And and I think a lot of those at-bats he's going to get this year are going to come in the big leagues. Hey, Jonathan, give us a sleeper. I'm going to go back to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, that's where Manzardo was from. He went to Washington State. I think every chance I have to give Garrett Forrester a little love, uh, I do. Pirates got him in the third round of this last draft after three really strong years at Oregon State. Um, had an ops over 1,000 there as a junior. Again, more walks than strikeouts. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's the right-handed version of Manzardo. I think he's, he's definitely a hit-over-power guy, um, but there's some some pop in there. And how good he may be at this next level may be dependent on how much he can tap into that that power. He's going to hit. You know, will he have the kind of uh, run producing numbers that teams like to see from their first baseman? You know, added uh, to this is the fact that the the Pirates don't have much in the way of first base prospects in their system. So there's kind of a clear path. You know, with his advanced approach, he can move pretty pretty quickly through the system and on up to Pittsburgh. I'm just going to keep following Jonathan's lead with these sleepers. I also am going to take a hit over power third round pick from the 2023 draft. I'm going to go with Brock Vradenberg, who hit 400 last summer or last spring at Michigan State. Wasn't really a guy who was on anybody's radar. He hadn't done much at Michigan State going into the year. Had a great year, 6'7", 230 pounds, almost never chases pitches. 
it's more strength and bat speed. He is making some progress back spinning balls and launching them in the air. So maybe there will be some more power to come. And he actually, as big as he is, he can show you average run times and he moves pretty well on the bases. So kind of a, you know, very interesting guy did not have a great pro debut. We'll be curious to see how he does in his first full pro season. I got a question for you guys, not related exactly to these lists, but more broadly left-handed first baseman. Have the number of left-handed first basemen in the big leagues, has it decreased over the years? Like I was just looking at, at our past few lists, and there are only three, I'm talking about fielding, throwing, three left-handed first basemen on this year's list, only two last year, three the year before. Is that a thing of the past? I don't think anybody cares about it, <laughs> to be honest. I thought you were going to say left-handed hitters, and I was going to say not at all, because nobody wants a right-handed hitting first baseman. I don't think anybody cares which hand or arm a first baseman throws with. Because I was looking at our top 10, even though only two of them throw left-handed, eight of them bat left-handed. Right. So well, I, I, I will, Why do you I will really care which, which, which way your first baseman hits? Because you want the platoon advantage. Like nobody wants a right-hand hitting first baseman. You you hear all the time guys talk about yeah, right-hand right, hitting first, first baseman. baseman. It's be yeah being a a devalued uh, like like that's probably the worst profile you can have as a right-hand hitting first baseman because you have no defensive value and you don't have the platoon advantage most of the time. All right, well, let's. I'm uh, sorry, I shot your question down very quickly. As a no, I did, but it, it used to be a thing. Yeah, it used to be a thing. Le- I, uh, I'm a former left-handed throwing first baseman, and growing up, that was always like seen as such an advantage. But I guess not. No more. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. Come back, and we'll dig into the top ten second and third base prospects in baseball. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, I'm Jason Ratliff, and we're talking top 10 prospects by position as we lead up to the launch of the top 100 prospects list. On Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern on MLB Network, MLB.com, MLB.tv. All right, second and third baseman. We are talking about the most intriguing guy on each, each list, and we're talking about a sleeper from each list. And I guess uh, the first thing we should do is, again, to run down who is actually on the list that we're going to talk about. And... This one's going to be second baseman, and the list goes like this. Number one, Tamar Johnson of the Pirates. Two, Jace Young of the Tigers. Three, James Triantos of the Cubs. Four, Thomas Segesi of the Cardinals. Five, Justin Foscue of the Rangers. Six, Ronnie Mauricio of the Mets. Seven, Connor Norby of the Orioles. Eight, Juan Brito of the Guardians. Nine, Ryan Bliss of the Mariners. And ten, Carlos Jorge of the Reds. Uh, the most intriguing guy to you here, Jim? Well, I feel like I talk about this guy every podcast or every other podcast, but I'll, I'll go with James Triantos. I, I think he's he's going to break out in the minor league season this year after breaking out in the fall league where he was the offensive player of the year. He's always had good bat-to-ball skills. And in Arizona, which granted is a hitter's league, we saw him drive the ball better. We saw him more aggressive on the base pass. He was drawing walks. I think he has a chance to be a pretty complete hitter. He's hitting the ball hard. You know, the, the question is going to remain, what position does he wind up at? He's played predominantly second base in 2023, which is why he's listed among the second baseman. I think with Nico Horner in Chicago and first round pick from last year's draft, Matt Shaw in the system, Shaw's probably going to wind up shifting over to third. The odds that Trantis plays second base on a regular basis for the Cubs are very slim. But right now, he counts as a second-base prospect, and I, and I think he will hit wherever he winds up. I want to talk about Connor Norby, the Orioles, because I think, I think if he were in another organization, he would get a little more due uh, and would have definitely touched the big leagues last year. I know the Orioles kind of ran a lot of young guys up and down. 
and Connor Norby wasn't one of those guys, but in AAA last year, where he, you know, he turned 23 in June, young for the level, had an 842 ops at 290 with 21 homers. I don't know where he's going to play. He's one of those guys that I think I've, I'm not probably the only one, but circled as like, well, is he a guy that they would use in a trade to send somewhere just because he's big league ready? There's at least average power. Uh, he can hit. He plays a decent second base. He's shown he can handle an outfield corner. He played a good amount of left field last year. So there's some versatility there. <clears throat> I just don't know how he works his way into the Orioles lineup just because there's you know, such a logjam of, of talent. But he's, he's a, a nice little player who might need a change of scenery. All right, let's go with sleepers. Jim. I'm going to go with Jose Rodriguez with the White Sox. I've always liked him for a while. Like he, he wasn't a high profile signing when the White Sox got him originally, but he's always hit everywhere he's gone. 21 homers last year. He's probably more of a average runner, but he steals bases and he's maybe, you know, he'll, he'll flash some solid speed, but he like continually steals bases last year. Like I said, 21 homers in the minors. He wound up stealing 31 bases. He got in, he made his big league debut, got into one game. Did not get in that bat, but he scored a run. You know, he's an okay defender at second. The White Sox went out. They got some depth players this offseason to kind of tie them over at the big league level. But I do wonder if by the end of the season, instead of seeing, you know, Nicky Lopez and Braden Shoemaker, or whoever up the middle, it's going to be Colson Montgomery at short and Jose Rodriguez at second base because he's almost ready for the big leagues and they need to find out what he can do for him. He, he's the future. Uh, at second base for them, I think. Yeah, I want to talk about Nick York mostly because I don't, I don't think we should completely forget about him. You know, the star has faded somewhat after his you know big first full season after he was kind of the surprise first round pick back in 2020, and the Red Sox took him in the middle of the first round. Then 2022, you know, he missed a lot of time. He had some some injuries, didn't hit as well, made up for it with a strong fall league performance. And then he was in double a last year and it was really streaky still showed some extra base ability, you know, some approach at the plate and he was you know, what 21 for all of last season. So I think there's time yet. He's going to have to watch his, his conditioning and show that he can stay up the middle at second base, but because he's so young and there, there's still some, offensive traits to like I, I kind of picked him out as a guy not to to completely forget about even if he you know was once on this list and has slid off all right let's move along to our third base list this one is topped by the Rays junior Caminero followed by Cincinnati's Noel V. Marte number three is Colt Keith of the Tigers number four Kobe Mayo of the Orioles Number five, Tyler Black of the Brewers. Number six, Brady House of the Nationals. Number seven, Curtis Mead of the Rays. Number nine, Aiden Miller of the Phillies. And number 10, Yoandy Morales of the Nationals. Uh, let's look at the most intriguing player on this list to you, Jonathan. Well, nepotism, right? I got to go with Kobe Mayo, my nephew. You know, I feel like I'm picking a lot of Orioles, uh, which is fine. I mean, deep farm system and all. You know, for me, he has, you know, if not the most usable power in all of the minor leagues, it's, uh, it's a short list, you know, the, and he made enough adjustments last year where I think he's going to hit more than anticipated than a lot of people anticipated and still get to the power. 29 homers last year, walked 93 times, had a 973 ops. Um, this is while making it to to Triple A uh, before his twenty second birthday, so he's knocking on the door. Again, it's going to be a question of where they could find room for him. Uh, he, he's a big guy. He he probably has enough defensibility to stay at third, but he's played a good amount of first base and may may need to shift over there just to to get that bat in the lineup. But uh, but the power bat is what intrigues me the most. The guy who intrigues me the most is Aiden Miller, who I think was a steal of the draft last year in the first round when the Phillies get him with the 27th overall pick. I mean, Jonathan and Jason, you were there too. I mean, we saw this guy 
win the the high school all America game MVP award and the home run derby title at the all-star game in Los Angeles. And he was basically the best hitter on the showcase circuit all summer, not saying he's a better prospect, but he was a better hitter last summer or in the summer of 2022 than Max Clark or Walker Jenkins, who were a lot more famous and went to the top of the draft. But Miller broke the hamate bone in his left hand and missed most of his senior season. And you get teams, and I get it, you like to see the guy you're going to take in the first round going out and tearing it up. But because he wasn't able to play, teams are like, ah, like backed off him a little bit. And, and I think the Phillies stole a guy who's going to be an absolute offensive force uh, with the 27th overall pick. I just, I mean, sometimes it just pays to be in the right spot at the right time during the draft. I think this was a case where that, where that happened for the Phillies. Okay. Let's take a look at some sleepers, Jonathan. Yeah. I, um, I think there are a couple of guys that, uh, that we could go with here. And I, I think I'm going to look at Brock Wilkin, sort of the next batch of third basemen that could sneak onto this list are you know, college guys, uh, advanced bats. Wilkin was first rounder taken out of, of, out of Wake Forest by, by the Brewers, you know, ton of power hit 31 homers last year at Wake, 23 homers a year before the, you know, big power profile pointing up, got off to a, a pretty good start and made it up to double a during his pro debut, uh, 200 plate appearances, which is pretty good. And an 887 OPS. I think the power is very real. You know, he draws some walks. So there's going to be some swing and miss, but another very intriguing corner bat, uh, you know, assuming he stays at third. And for me, I mean, I'll just continue to ride Jonathan's coattails. This is my new strategy for 2024. Life for life. Yes, exactly. I'm, this year, we're going to try it out and see how it works. But uh, I'm, I'm also going to go with a college third baseman from last year's draft. I'll take the guy who was taken right behind Brock Wilkin, Braden Taylor, who went 19th overall. Uh, to the Rays, and he's just a very solid player for three years at TCU. Uh, you know, played for Team USA, was an all-star in the Cape. He, he was a hit-over-power guy going into last year. He started driving the ball more, set TCU records for single-season and career home runs, played um, some shortstop for TCU, really fits better at third base, but he's, he's rangy and athletic there. I think he's going to be a fine all-around third baseman for the Rays. All right, that's a look at our top 10 second and third base prospect lists. Uh, as we record this, we still have a couple more to go, shortstops and outfielders leading up to the top 100 reveal on Friday night, 7 Eastern, MLB Network and MLB.com, MLB.tv. Tune in then to get uh, more coverage of all these guys, Jim, Jonathan, uh, and then Sam Dykstra is going to join us for a little post-game activity. Um, we're going to break it all down on Friday. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, Jim and Jonathan are going to uh, draft a team of prospects from these top 10 lists, and we'll see who assembles the better squad. And we'll answer a question from the mailbag that's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, who are about to put on their uh, their drafting hats. Gentlemen, Jonathan, I'm lo- I'm looking at you. We're on Zoom. I'm I'm seeing you. You, you uh, acted as though you pantomimed as though you put a hat on. Jim, I, I'm assuming you're doing the same, even though I can't see you. Or perhaps you're actually putting a hat on. I have headphones, much like you have on, so I don't know that a hat would really work very easily. All right, so. So uh, what we're going to do here is using the top 10 by position lists. Oh, and I guess we're going to give a, a little sneak peek at uh, the shortstop and outfield lists that we haven't even gotten to yet. Um, Who knew that Jackson Chorio was good? That's Who right. Uh, Jackson Holiday? Jackson Holiday like, is he making the shortstop <laughs> list. Shocking. Uh, you guys are going to draft one player per list. 
Is that right? No. Oh, well, well you're going to draft more than more than three one outfielder. Outfielders. Yeah. For, uh, well, we're going to have a ten-player team yep. with eight position players, a lefty and a righty, mm-hmm. but we cannot take a player from a ranking ranking slot more than once. So we have to take a guy who's ranked one, a guy who's ranked two, and so on uh, from one through ten. And this this dates back to. I wish we remembered who asked it, Jonathan. Somebody asked us as an inbox question a few years ago, and I always love it. I think it's a great inbox question. So this should be a we've a stolen it. We've That's commandeered we're it. For our own. We, we gave him credit, whoever it was who sent it. <laughs> got credit. You gave him thanks, whoever it was. And we're just continuing to. <laughs> you know use who you idea. are. Yeah. We should. Uh, somebody should look that up. All right. Uh, well, this should be fun, uh, and. As is not normally the case, we've actually determined in advance who's going to go first. Uh, random drawing, and that is Jonathan. And this is a serpentine draft. Jonathan going to pick first here in the first round. Jim will have the next two picks, and away we go. Jonathan, who is one one in this draft? I, I think the strategy for all of this is you know trying to weigh like strength of a list and depth with ranking, but. When you're picking right at the very top, I think you need to take the very best player. And I'm not shocking anybody by saying that's Jackson Holiday. So even though the shortstop list, which has yet to be released, is very deep, I'm taking the best player with the first pick. Jackson Holiday. And that's an interesting one. Because I was going to say, Jonathan, it was like I knew I didn't have the number one pick. Um, and now like I don't have to take the guy who ranks number one on a list to later in the draft. But to me... There were three guys I thought I could pick number one. I don't know if you could say anybody else. You, you have Jackson Holiday. Like, you can never go wrong picking the best player in, in the whole pool. Like, so there's that. Um, he's number one on our current top 100 prospect list. I think the best player relative to his position, and he's going to stay at the position, which you can't say about a lot of the guys on the list, would be Ethan Salas at the catcher's list. Now, obviously, he's got a lot farther to go than Jackson Holiday. I mean, even though he was in double A, he's proven less. But Ethan Salas, you know, relative to the other players, his position may be the most valuable guy. And then the, the third category for me was the guy who ranks the lowest but could be an elite superstar talent. And that, to me, was Wyatt Langford, who's the number three outfielder. So did you consider anybody? Did, did you look at the pick very much? I'm just curious. I'll never tell. Okay, well that's fine. But anyway, I will take Basayo. I will, <laughs> I will take Samuel Basayo because I don't want to take. I don't want to take Ethan Salas a catcher. And also, this is the way I'm, I'm. You know, I compete, Jonathan. Like I, I, I'm hurting you a catcher by taking Basayo. You are because I, I think he's far better than any of the other catchers you can take. Not not that you can't make up for another position. So I'm going to take Samuel Basayo, who's ranked two on the catcher list. And then I will take Wyatt Lankford because I do think Wyatt Lankford is well. I, I we'll come back. We'll see. I have another guy I want who who could rank low and, and be a superstar. But but that was the way I approached it. So I, I might I don't know who I would have taken if I would have got pick number one. But I, I will take Basayo and Lankford with my top two picks. All right. So two Orioles right off the bat, and that's pretty interesting because at least based on. Uh, the existing end of season 2023 top 100 prospects list. That means the number five player on that list is going to go undrafted in this draft since Jonathan's already used his number one and Jim's got his catcher. All right, Jonathan, your second round pick. This is where I started looking at, you know, sort of value with where they are. And, you know, the, the, the two lists that, have not come out at the time that we're recording this outfield and shortstop are the, you know, from the position player standpoint are the, are the two deepest. And so that's where I started kind of weighing how I, how I was going to do this. So I kind of went down a little bit on the outfield list. We're still talking a very highly ranked player. And I took Walker Jenkins, the the twins first rounder. I went number five overall uh, in the draft. We've talked ad nauseum about last year's draft and the five players who could have been one, one. He's a number one, caliber type talent had a very very good strong pro debut making it to full season ball i think he could move a little more quickly than anticipated uh, it's hit it's power even has a chance to play center field but even if he lands in a corner the the hit and power profile will really work for him 
from anywhere. So for me, I really thought that Walker Jenkins is uh value because he he's uh ranked fifth on that outfield list was a was a really good pick here. And then I'm going to take Aiden Miller, the aforementioned. Mostly because I'm what bit- a terrible pick. I'm a little bitter that Jim uh, stole him to, to talk about his most intriguing third baseman. But again, this is like really good value. I, I think we're all going to look back and see that we, you know, have Aiden, Aiden Miller number nine on the third baseman list was low. And, uh, you know, for the, for the reasons that uh, Jim already outlined. So, uh, Back-to-back kind of value picks uh, for me here in rounds two and three. Yeah, those it's it's interesting because like this draft would have played out differently, obviously, if I had gone first and you had gone second. But I thought Aiden Miller. It's you know, there's actually four guys who are interesting players at number nine who are good. But Aiden Miller, I thought was the best of them. You mentioned shortstop and outfield being deep. I think third base is also a deep list, and I I think that's a great value. Um, I kind of knew I probably wouldn't get Aiden Miller when I didn't take him with my first two picks. And Walker Jenkins was on my my radar, but I would have to move it around to get third baseman. So anyway, after you make those picks, I'm going to go with Dylan Cruz, who, like Walker Wyatt Langford, part of last year's draft, he's number four on the outfield list. Uh, you know, went second in the draft overall, potential superstar. I, I find that when we do these drafts, Jonathan, because we have to pick three outfielders. Now, granted. All 10 outfield prospects are pretty appealing, but like the outfield, you know, getting three good outfielders or getting three of the best outfielders is always a good way to go, or at least that's my stretch. So I'm taking Dylan Cruz. And then looking at the left-handers, I've already used my one, three, and four slots. Or I'm sorry, I haven't used the one slot yet, but you, I, I'm, I'm getting confused. I, I know who I'm taking with the number one slot. I haven't used it yet, but I've used the three and four slots. So... And I've used the number two slot on Basayo. So that's taken a lot of the lefties out of play for me. So I'm going to get a lefty I really like who I think is going to jump up. And that would be Jackson Ferris, who I keep thinking is on the Cubs, but is actually on the Dodgers now since the Michael Bush trade. So I will take Jackson Ferris to position myself for later picks. And I think as we we both realize as we're as we're doing this, there's no point in like when you pick a guy in the one slot, I'm not going to pick a guy in the one slot. And when you pick a guy in the two slot, we can wait, you know? Yeah. So it's like, there's some strategy, that strategy too. So I, I'm guessing now that you will, you will pick somebody, your next two picks will probably be in slot six, eight <laughs> or 10 based on, based on how this has gone. Uh, because there's no reason to, to pick any other slots. And Jackson Ferris was seven yeah, a real Nostradamus over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you're not wrong. You know, and we're we're getting close to the point now. You know, just looking at the at the draft board, that I, I think we're not going to get in each other's way too much. So I'm kind of this is one of my last opportunities to potentially get in your way. Uh, you know, there's some outfielders still out there because it's a deep list. Kind of, you know, we have certain picks still available. So I think I'm going to go with back-to-back outfielders. We've been rating that uh, the 2023 draft class a lot, so I'm going to go one more. I'm going to take Max Clark, um, and that gets at, he's at the number six on the outfield list. You know, the the Tigers took him, didn't perform quite as well as Walker Jenkins when he got to full season ball, but such a small sample size, the tools are ridiculous. And then in I guess what is what. We're now at the top of round five. Uh, yep. I'm going to go to Pete Crow Armstrong, um, ready to hit the big leagues full time, gold glove caliber center fielder, uh, chance to be a very, very good all around player. Again, playing on the fact that that outfield list is very, very deep. Um, so knocking off my six and eight slot there. And now I believe if I'm looking at this correctly, <laughs> we're kind of locked into what, like you can't draft like the only slot we can, and I'm going to take a guy in slot 10. So it doesn't, I can execute the rest of what I want, but like 10, the 10 slot is the only slot where we both don't have a pick. And then based on the positions we've drafted, I don't even think we can really draft guys that the other guy might want. Like it's possible yeah, that's right. you could back somebody into a corner 
me like I, I don't know if this is going to upset your whole draft, Jonathan. But I'm going to I'm going to use the number ten slot, which is wide open right now. And I and I, I, I one of the things with this is unless you spend a premium pick, which I didn't want to do on first base or second base because those guys don't rank high on the prospect list. I, I just decided I was going to take whoever I get at first base and second base, and, and I'll try to make the rest of my team as strong as possible. So I I, I don't know if you had this in your mock draft, Jonathan or Jason. I'm taking Hayden McGarry of the Cubs, the number ten first baseman. And then I'm going to take Juan Brito uh, of the Guardians, who's ranked eighth among second basemen, as my first baseman and second baseman. I actually went back and forth and considered whether I wanted to go McGeary Brito or Nathan Martorella, Carlos Orhe, or there was a, a, a way I could have skipped on Ferris and gone with Connor Norby at second. But I will go with the, the Hayden McGeary, Juan Brito. Uh, combo here and if this was like a, a the the amateur draft jonathan and jason i would be uh, saving money on these picks to to go over slot on my next guys so very exciting we, we have exciting picks ahead all right jim do i get credit if i had brito and mcgeary and the other in, in the you know reverse order no you get no credit no credit okay no credit off gotta get the round right I mean, usually when we do mocks like for the regular draft if if a team's got multiple picks and we, we get at least a half a point. You didn't have McGeary and Brito anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm calling, I'm expressing skepticism. Oh, okay. So you're going to call out skepticism. Karnak, the magnificent here. Um, okay. I think, you know, as Jim hinted, we're at a point now, I think where we can kind of pick who we want to pick. And then it's just a question of, you know, figuring out which positions I want to prioritize. I, I think I had an opposite approach in terms of the position. It was sort of position scarcity where I wanted to get one of the top couple of guys in some of those weaker positions. Um, I'm going to do that in the next, you know, next few rounds. But uh, right now I, I'm going to decide to get my, my, my lefty and that's uh, Robbie Snelling. Who's third, the left-handed list. And I was pretty sick. I was a little surprised that you went and took Ferris when you did just because I thought there were other options that would have made more, that could have made sense. But again, only having the one pick per spot. Um, but, you know, Snelling, uh, super young out of the 2022 draft high schooler, made it to, to double A as a 19 year old. He's going to be 20 for all this year. Three above average to plus pitches with above average control. Uh, he's he's big and strong. He makes adjustments. I think he's going to reach another a gear this year. So I, I was really happy to to get in there. And then I went to the position scarcity front, and I took Kyle Manzardo from the first baseman list. Guardians got him from the Rays, as we know, uh, as we talked about earlier. This is a guy who had a, a hit over power profile and the power really started to show up in the fall league. I'm hoping it continues and probably going to see it in Cleveland uh, at some point this year. I'm feeling like maybe I should have talked about players. I, I, I don't like as much and maybe you would have drafted them, you know, since you took Aiden Miller and Kyle Manzardo that That's maybe right. I should have I'm talked totally, about other guys. Well, you, so this is the, the first part of the podcast. You rode my coattails. Now I'm riding yours. I, I guess I, I'm doing your, your scouting work for you. So, so you here's go. my, my, my decision point here, and I've gone back and forth. I, I, I have my one slot and my nine slot open. I've got outfield spot open, and I've got a right-handed pitcher spot open. So I can go – if I want to go outfielder in the one spot, I can go Jackson Churio, and then I can take Dylan Lesko in the nine spot as my right-handed pitcher. And I think Lesko, now that he puts the Tommy John further behind him, is going to fly up our charts in, in 2024. I think he might – when we look back, he might be the best pitcher out of his draft. Or I could take Paul Skeens, mm. who's the top pitching prospect in the game, and go with Colton Kowser as as the outfielder in the number nine slot because the outfield spot's deep. I am going to go Dylan Lesko here. I'm going to take Dylan Lesko with my, I believe this is my seventh round pick. Correct. And then we're gonna we're gonna slot Jackson Churio down like the Angels did to Mike Trout in 2009. We're just gonna push him down the board because we can get him where we want him. So we're going to take Brady house at third base. The house really came on last year when he was healthy. I think there's going to be big time power there. 
think he's going to be a good third baseman, all around third baseman. So very pleased to get Brady House. I think is a, I did want Aiden Miller. I think Aiden Miller at nine is a tremendous value, like you said, Jonathan. But I also like Brady House at six among the third basemen. And unlike most of the third basemen ranked ahead of him, I think he's actually going to stay at the position too. I think Lesko could be a big value uh, at nine also. So he may be the Aiden Miller of the pitching set. We'll have to see. So I have left, I need a catcher, I need a second baseman, and I need my right-handed pitcher. And I have the number, my number four, my number seven, and my number 10 spots. So, you know, in preparing for this, I did put together, you know, kind of a wish list of sorts. And uh, I did have Harry Ford as my catcher. So I'm going to take Harry Ford as my catcher. That takes up the number four spot. Uh, I love the bat. I love the athleticism. Uh, I love the desire to stay behind the plate, which he's going to be able to do. He was a little worn out when we saw him on the fall league, but uh, super young, made it to double A, you know, very bullish on, on, on Harry Ford. So happy to get him there. And, Second base was, you know, a little little tough to have a much of a wish list, but I I was looking at Connor Norby, so I'm gonna take him here. This this time I'm not riding on your coattails, I'm taking the guy that I talked about. But uh, you know, talented guy. He can play second, he can play the outfield. That doesn't really matter for for these purposes, but I think he can really hit with uh, with a good amount of pop. He's done it at the upper levels. He's ready for a big league uh opportunity now, and hopefully that will Come if not in Baltimore, then then maybe someplace else if uh, if the right deal arises. But uh, happy to get uh, two up the middle guys there. Yeah, I, I knew you liked Harry. I was curious. I was wondering if you might go Andrew Painter. If you might gamble on Andrew Painter returning to health. Thought about he's, it. He, you know, he, he's there. I definitely it. thought about it. Yeah, I think I liked the catching options better. Higher. So you could have you could have coattailed it again and gone Blake Mitchell. I, I tried to help you out. Yeah, like, yeah. I tried. I anyway, I, I've got two picks left, and uh, we'll have to go over slot here in, in the ninth and the tenth round. I'm going to take Marcella Meyer of the Red Sox. I think that's a good value as the number five shortstop. I, I really do think the shoulder injury he had last year hampered him. He was off to a great start before that. I think he's going to bounce back. And then I will, Jonathan. You got. We can't give away the new list, but you got the number one player on our end of 2023 list in Jackson Holiday, and I will use my 10th rounder on the number two player on that list, Jackson Churio of the Brewers. So um, happy how that worked out. Yeah, you are giving away that he's the number one outfielder, though. That's okay. Yeah. Why well, you have to? If people are keeping score at home, they're, they're marking. You made a big down. deal out of whether or not you were going to do Lesko and Churio at nine and one. So, like, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, they like they have to keep really score, fun. so they they know. So that leaves me with uh, really only one player at one spot. Right, <laughs> I need a right-handed pitcher and then my ten spot. So that leaves me with Noble Meyer. I'm totally good with that. Uh, high upside, high school right-hander. Uh, taken by the Marlins in the first round last year. You know, I love the pitchability on the upside. Uh, I think uh, he has a chance to be a really, really good starting pitching prospect, and it wouldn't surprise me if he is a guy who floats up to the the top half of that right-handed pitching list You know, after he gets a, a full season on, under his belt and shows what he can do at the pro level. All right, well, there we have it. Team Jonathan, Harry Ford, Kyle Manzardo, Connor Norby, Aiden Miller, Jackson Holiday, Walker Jenkins, Pete Crow Armstrong, Max Clark, Robbie Snelling, Noble Meyer. That's a nice squad, Jonathan. Congratulations. I like uh, I, I like the thought of seeing uh, Jenkins and Clark in the same outfield. Yes. And, uh, and, and when you have Pete Crow Armstrong uh, with those guys flanking him, uh, that's a fun outfield. Jim's team, Basayo, Hayden McGrary at first. Second base uh, in a uh, mock-killing pick, Juan Brito. <laughs> third third base uh, is Brady House. Marcelo Meyer at short. Outfield of Wyatt Langford, Jackson Churio, and Dylan Cruz. Man, that's nice, too. And then pitching staff of Dylan Lesko and Jackson Ferris. All right, we'll, we'll put those teams out there and let you the listeners decide who got the best team. I'm, I'm not going to choose. 
And then we'll, well, of course, in 2044. Yeah, we'll come when, back. Uh, our grandchildren are doing the podcast. <laughs> um, we'll have them add up the war and, and see who had the most wins above replacement uh, in the long run. For sure. All right. Um, let's wrap this up with a question from the mailbag. And this one comes from Hugh. Uh, Hugh, with several underscores, it looks like, uh, for a Twitter handle, asks, why has the buzz around Dylan Cruz faded? He seems to have been leaped, leapfrogged in most rankings. Huh. I, I have to say, Hugh, I didn't even know that the buzz around Dylan Cruz had faded. Yeah, I, you answered the question right there, Jason. Uh, you know, our rankings obviously have not come out yet. Uh, the outfield list has not come out, uh, nor has the top 100. I don't, I, I think you nailed it. He, his star has not faded at all. There are a couple other guys who may make their way ahead of him just based on how they perform, but I, I don't, I don't sense any buzz fading. Do you, Jim? No, I, I think what it is, honestly, you know, you look at the guy he was, he was neck and neck with in the draft, you know, played the same position in the same conference faced off the national championship, Dylan Cruz, Wyatt Lankford. And I think there's been a lot of buzz about Wyatt Lankford because he came into pro ball. He got all the way up to triple a, he had three sixty. he had 10 homers. He had 12 steals in 44 games. There was even talk, which as much as I thought I like Wyatt Lankford, I thought was ridiculous that when Adolis Garcia got hurt in the world series, Hey, they should activate Wyatt Lankford and put him on the world series roster. So there was a lot of Wyatt Lankford chatter. Like his pro debut is one of the best pro debuts we've seen from a draft pick in a while. Like, I mean, that's a fabulous pro debut. And meanwhile, Dylan Cruz, whose star is, you know, not really fading. He got to double a and he had 292 with an 844 ops and he had five homers and four steals in 35 games. So I, I think it's just that Wyatt Lankford was so good in his debut, and then you even had that World Series buzz, as nonsensical as it really was, that came up, that maybe that's what fuels Hughes' perception that the buzz is fading on Dylan Cruz. But regardless of what order we rank the outfielders in, and again, if people just listen to the draft, <laughs> we said what order, <laughs> what number everybody was, so you could put it together. <laughs> even if he had a couple guys move ahead of him on the list, uh, I don't think I'm giving away, you know, too much by saying, you know, Dylan Cruz is still one of the top six, seven, eight prospects in baseball. So I don't think his star has faded at all. But I, I just think Wyatt Lankford has gotten more hype since they've been in pro ball because that debut was so spectacular. Right. So I think that's all. Yeah, it's more that Wyatt Lankford's buzz is louder. Cruz may be about the same. Lankford. Cruz's same volume. Wyatt Lankford's got turned up a little yep. bit. All right, Hugh, thanks very much for that question, and thanks to everybody for listening. That's going to be a wrap for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.